Apologies to those of you listening as a podcast the recording didn't start properly right at the beginning of that hymn. So welcome and blessings on you, those who are listening in. You also are with us in Springfield as we gather together in fellowship and in worship. These words that we've just been listening to. O God, you search me and you know me. All my thoughts lie open to your gaze. When I walk or lie down, you are before me, ever the maker and the keeper of my days. We come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Living God, as we gather, we gather as the community of faith, the body of Christ, the pilgrim people, journeying together, walking together, supporting one another, as we travel on with you. And how appropriate the words of the psalm seem on this strange morning when we cannot see one another's faces, when we are all masked. And yet, you remind us that you know us, you see us exactly as we are. And we confess that we wear masks all of the time, not just at this time. So often, we wear masks of disguise, of camouflage, hiding our true selves very often, hiding our true feelings. And yet, you see us as we are. And your seeing of us is not the seeing of condemnation, but the seeing of grace, of mercy. You see not only all that we are, but you see all that we've yet to become. And you see our true selves. And if you showed us our true selves in a mirror, we would be amazed. To paraphrase the words of the poet, would some power the gift to give us to see ourselves as God sees us. You see us as we are, as we truly are in Christ, as all we have yet to become to be the fully human people you created us to be. Forgive us. Forgive us that so often we fall far short. Forgive us for the times when we condemn and judge others and criticize others. For we realize how dependent we are on your forgiveness, on your merciful gaze, on your compassionate looking into our hearts. So forgive us. Set us free for the journey that lies before us as together we travel on to our true home in Christ. Be with us, continue with us, and may there be a real blessing for all who gather, whether in Springfield or whether at home. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We hear the word of God. Thank you, Anne. The first reading is from Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Peter heals a crippled man. One day, Peter and John went to the temple at 3 o'clock, the time set each day for the afternoon prayer service. There, at the temple gate called Beautiful Gate, 
was a man who had been crippled all his life. Every day he was carried to this gate to beg for money from the people going into the temple. The man saw Peter and John going into the temple and asked them for money. Peter and John looked straight at him and said, Look at us. The man looked at them, thinking they were going to give him some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I do have something else I can give you. By the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, stand up and walk. Then Peter took the man's right hand and lifted him up. Immediately the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. He went into the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. All the people recognized him as the crippled man who always sat by the beautiful gate begging for money. Now they saw this same man walking and praising God, and they were amazed. They wondered how this could happen. And a reading from John 1, uh, verse 35 to 42. The first followers of Jesus. The next day, John was there again with two of his followers. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard John say this, so they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Rabbi means teacher. He answered, Come and see. So the two men went with Jesus and saw where he was staying and stayed there with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two men who followed Jesus after they heard John speak about him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and say to him, we have found the Messiah, Messiah means Christ. Then Andrew took Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Cephas means Peter. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anne. And we listen to the words of a, a much-loved hymn, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. If you're listening in at home and following the words in your hymn book, it's 485.
let us pray. Living God, speak to us the word that we need to hear. Speak to us the word that assures us that you are with, with us. Speak to us the word that calls us further along the roads of our discipleship. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, goodbye, tension, hello, pension. That was a card I got, not my words. I suspect it might not be quite as rosy as that. The teeth are falling out, the knees are shugly, and my eyesight isn't what it once was. For as they say in the borders, old age does not come by itself. But seriously, as I've said in the newspaper, retirement from CPS is for me quite a bittersweet time. It is, in its own way, a kind of bereavement. But as with any bereavement, there are so many memories. So maybe I should write a book. So many memories from CPS of times together, pilgrimages to Linda's farm, so many gatherings around the table, whether communion or cafe or Christmas Day in the manse or so many others. So many experiences of learning together, whether in Sunday services, messy church, Sunday night or Wednesday morning reflectives and more. So many faces no longer with us that I will always remember with much affection. I'm sure we've had our not-so-good times too, times when I've not got it right and perhaps terribly wrong. Let's face it, it's always going to be like the school report card. Could have done better. But it's good to know that we have a God of grace who can take even our mistakes, our blunders, and make something good out of them. And there are so many other memories of other places and faces of North Carolina, of Kidlahue and Torridon, of the borders, of Malawi. Speaking of Malawi, I remember the time when a group of us from Melrose and Peebles were over there. We were touring around the area of Zomba, visiting the congregations that had been twinned with churches in our own borders presbytery. One day is memorable. We were well out in the bush and the driver just couldn't find the village which we were scheduled to visit that day. He explained that the vegetation had grown so much taller than the last, since the last time he had been there and he couldn't find the village. Well, we eventually found the hidden village and the usual welcoming committee of guildswomen gathered around the minibus as we drew to a stop. The all-in-white dancing ladies sang a wonderfully beautiful song to us. A song that really tugged at the heart. We asked our translator to translate. What had they been singing this beautiful haunting song? He smiled and said, well, they've been singing. Why did it take you so long to get here? <laughs> it turned out we'd been listening to the Malawian equivalent of, oh, why are we waiting? Why did it take you so long to get here? It's a good question. But not just for one adventurous day in Malawi, but for ourselves as a church in this strange, weird time. As a church at this strange time, we have come to a new place, a place we haven't been before. Perhaps the long grass of Presbyterian tradition and increasingly bureaucratic procedure had kept this place hidden for so long. But we've got here now. 
And why did it take us so long to get to the place where we realise that our main emphasis on being church isn't about being in here in a building, but about out there in the parish and community? Why did it take us so long to recognise that very little of the story of Jesus unfolds in religious buildings? But follow the gospel story. Where does it happen? In homes? Dinner parties by the sea, a big picnic on a hillside, in the marketplace. Several generations ago, George MacLeod, the founder of the Iona community, told this wonderful wee story. The stained glass window in a church featured the words, glory to God in the highest. But a bad boy came along with a stone threw it at the window and knocked out the E in the word highest. So the window now reads, glory to God in the high street. George MacLeod approved, not of the vandalism of the bad boy, but he approved of the earthly theology that the stone had produced. Glory to God in the high street. Last week I referred to a minister colleague who has at certain times during the lockdown been sitting outside his closed church building, available for anyone who wanted to drop by for a chance. I'd like to hold with that image just for a moment. The minister outside the closed church building, meeting people. Did God have to get all the buildings closed to remind us what we're really about? We've come to a place where we realise that it's all about meeting and encounter. As in that wonderful reading from John's Gospel, it was all about one meeting another and saying, here, come and see this person. Listen, let's, let me introduce you to this person we've met. And it's all about meeting and conversation and friends. I wonder if we, and ministers in particular, have used Kirk buildings and Kirk meetings to avoid getting stuck into a real mission which is out there, not in here, inside walls. One of my colleagues suggested to me that one of the great things about the lockdown was our whole focus as the church had shifted. Instead of dealing with endless meetings, presbytery papers and discussions, all our energy was going into talking and listening to our congregations, albeit by phone or the internet or Zoom or Skype or whatever. For me, it's been mainly the phone. Why did it take us so long to get here? To realise it's not about bureaucracy and endless meetings, but it's about conversational meetings, encounters. It's about the circle of friends, an an ever-widening circle. In my own case, I ended up with a list of around 120 names for phoning. It's been a very special time indeed. And it makes leaving so much harder for me as so many people have shared something of their own stories, their own struggles, their own joys, their own sorrows. I love the earthiness of that reading from John's Gospel where Jesus meets his disciples to be. As we said, it's all about encounter, meeting, listening, one person telling another. And did you notice that the action is in Jesus' house? It all happens around his home, around his table, if you like, around his fireside, if you like. 
It's in the ordinary. It's in the homely. It's in the everyday that the big kingdom of God's story unfolds. Nobody, nowhere, is insignificant. So why did it take us so long to get here to realise this? It's been great in these lockdown days to be spending so much time in encounter, listening, sharing, so much people stuff and so little Presbyterian bureaucratic baggage to carry in these days. And I hope we don't go back to all that Presbyterian baggage. But that'll be your problem, not mine. <laughs> a minister of my acquaintance got to know a man whose life had been a real struggle. The minister was deeply touched when the man said to him, thank you for seeing me. It didn't just mean seeing him in a visit or in the study. Thank you for noticing me. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for looking in my direction. Why did it take us so long to get here? We're recovering the fact that the gospel of Christ calls us into a whole new way of seeing. In a very real sense, it's blindness that's killing the world. Because if we truly see one another, if we truly see ourselves with our faults, we can only be compassionate and merciful with one another as we depend on God's mercy to us. It's blindness that's killing the world. It was C.S. Lewis who said that the, the holiest thing you will ever encounter is your neighbour, whoever that neighbour is. And that's a thought, perhaps. Open our eyes, Lord. Have you thought how many of the stories in the Gospel are about Jesus opening eyes? Did it physically? but they're there also with a deeper meaning about the Christ who opens our eyes to see deeply, to see people in a new way. I love that account we read from the book of Acts, where it's obvious that Jesus has trained up his disciples to see and to look deeply. One of the things about Jesus' ministry was that he was forever seeing people who seemed to be invisible to just about everybody else. He was forever noticing people who were just part of the background and the wallpaper to most other people. Listen to these words from our reading and note the great emphasis on seeing. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. What a wonderful description of that deep seeing into which Jesus initiates us. It's blindness that's killing the world. A lovely description of the meeting of the eyes, of the disciples looking and the lame man returning that gaze, of deep looking and then following that through in action. You know something? Before the miracle of physical healing 
becomes the perhaps greater healing miracle of an invisible man being noticed, an invisible man being affirmed, the great healing miracle of an invisible man being recognised. And so as we talk of finding a new normal, may we in the church not lose what we've discovered in this new place where we've finally arrived. That the gospel focuses out there in the community, not in here in the walls. That the gospel is more of the personal and less of the bureaucratic. The big story that unfolds in ordinary life among the circle, ever-widening circle of friends. That the gospel focus is on seeing deeply and following it through. As the man said, thank you for seeing me. May we embrace God's new normal. And as we go on different roads and different journeys, may God go with you. It's good to have Kate Doig on keyboard and Sheena on violin, and I think they're going to play something for us now. Thank you, Kate and Sheena. Thank you, Kate and Sheena. That was lovely. It's good to have Anne Hughes-Hallock sharing in the service today. And I'd ask Anne to share once again, this time with the prayers of intercession. Thank you, Anne. I will pause during the prayers to give you time to add your own prayers. 
Let us pray for our homes, families, community, our country and the world. Heavenly Father, we bring before you people living in difficult situations around the world. Situations called by, caused by COVID, by wars, by political unrest, by disasters. Remembering particularly the people of Belarus, the Middle East, Beirut, India, Brazil, Africa, the USA. May they know your hope and be encouraged. We pray for refugees trying to get to new countries where they will feel safe, fleeing danger and putting themselves in more danger, crossing seas in flimsy, overloaded craft. Lord, we pray you hear their cries. Hear our prayers, Lord, for our country at this time. We bring before you the people suffering from job losses, home losses, family breakups. We think of all the young people who don't know what their future will be, whose learning has been broken up by the lockdown. And we pause to name any known to us. And we pray, Lord, for political leaders in our nations, that they might make wise decisions on lockdown, on the economical situation, and on Brexit talks. And we pray for our Queen Elizabeth. Heavenly Father, we pray for our parish and our families and our loved ones, the bereaved, the sick, the anxious. We bring them and those close to us to you in this time of quiet. We pray for your church, Lord, coping with new ways of worship, and we give thanks for the start of more normal services. And we pray for our minister and friend, Jim, as he faces retirement, and as we say goodbye to him, we give thanks for his tireless work in the parish and his leadership. And we pray that he has a good retirement and good health. God of peace, we pray for your church, for our parish and the communities, for our brothers and sisters around the world. Strengthen and encourage us, Lord, as we settle into new rhythms of life. We remember those who have suffered and are struggling with the effects of the last few months. And we pray for peace and hope and offer our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Anne. The final hymn which we listen to is I, the Lord of Sea and Sky. If you're following the words at home, it's 251.
in the hymn book.
the blessing. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, encircle you, enfold you, surround and uphold you, today and forever. Amen.